Hi guys, welcome to episode 7 of the Healing Healing Show. If you're here again, thank you for being here and thank you for showing up for yourself. So today we are going to be speaking about the secure attachment and how to go about securing your insecure attachment. So before we jump into it, I am just a girl who's sharing her story in hopes that it can help a few people along the way. If you are looking for licensed help, then definitely go seek it elsewhere. But if you want to stay and keep listening, as I said, today we're going to be talking about the secure attachment. So before we jump into it, my name is Haley Foreman. I'm going to be your host. Let's get started. So what is the secure attachment? Well, basically, it's your ability to uh, deal with relationships in your life in a healthy, constructive way. And there are kind of three main things that really portray a a secure attachment let's talk about those three things number one being open if you have a secure attachment style you can communicate openly so if you're frustrated if you're upset you understand that being frustrated and upset are normal emotions and you are good expressing that because you know that it's necessary to express how you truly feel. And you're comfortable with your partner expressing those same emotions too. You're also very comfortable, you know, expressing how happy something made you feel or how thankful you are for someone in your life or how grateful you are for that relationship. And, you know, expressing those things doesn't make you feel vulnerable. It doesn't make you feel like, Oh, if I tell someone how much they actually mean to me, then they're going to have this like power or control over me. You don't have those thoughts if you're securely attached. As I said, you're, you're very cool just saying exactly how you feel, no matter what that emotion is. When you have something to vent about, like, you know, you've had a bad day at work or a bad situation with your mom or your dad, you know, you understand how necessary it is to let it all out. You know that, you know, harboring any resentment or bitterness about uh, the way you feel is just going to come back to bite you. You know that it's it's not going to help you in this situation or in whatever situation that you're in. So you're very comfortable saying that. So in short, you know you know how to ask for what you need and want, and you don't feel shame for expressing your needs. So you're very open and you clearly understand your needs. So, um, for me, and I just want to say it really quickly, that uh, a healing journey and understanding yourself can be a little bit confusing sometimes because, you know, you're not necessarily one thing and you really have to get comfortable, comfortable, (laughs) you really have to get comfortable with the fact that many things make up your personality. Or the way you relate. And 
for me, I uh, really resonate with being open. Like I express myself. You know, it's not always in the healthiest way, or or, or it wasn't before, but like. I'm very comfortable with like telling people how I feel. I'm very comfortable with being like, you are such a good friend. Like, thank you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable with saying those things. Probably people think I'm too comfortable because I'm also very comfortable with saying like, Hey, I know you're trying, but it's not in a way that's like helping a situation right now. And, you know, to some people that's like insensitive, like, oh, how could you say that? You know, if you know the person's trying, how could you say that? And you're like, well, I'm just being honest about the fact that it's not actually helping the situation or something. And um, yeah, and then we get into a whole conversation about, you know, how much criticism people are comfortable with. And it's always, it's constructive. Like, it's like, yeah, it's, it's it, this isn't helping because it's not actually um it's not actually focused on on what we said we needed to change or or something like that right like it's not just like oh you're you shouldn't even try anyway because it's not working like that's different um yeah but but for me so i identify with that even though i identify with the fact that i Uh, had a or or still having ways a fearful avoidant attachment so I want to just validate the fact that you can still have an insecure attachment but identify with um, some of these qualities and what can happen as well is that you can have some of these qualities in other situations Um, so I kind of spoke about this before but just to kind of say it again you know at work, you may be fully securely attached. Like you may be able to have good conversations and um, understand what another person's saying and uh, comprehend what they're communicating and not make it about yourself and, and, and whatever. And be open about how you feel and, and everything. But then, you know, in your family life, you don't feel comfortable. So just always keep in mind that there is this constant duality. That like it's okay to resonate with something and then resonate with the opposite thing and and figure out why it is that uh, those two things are occurring. The other thing that securely attached people uh, do well is accepting rejection. So this is not just talking about accepting rejection from a romantic partner or something. Like obviously to some degree, that's going to be a blow to the ego for for every person. But, you know, say you're in, you're in a situation where your partner needs their space. And you recognize that, you know, you've maybe been putting too much pressure on this person and now they need space. You know, two things can happen. Like you can recognize as a securely attached person, you can recognize that like you don't think that you're putting too much pressure. You think that you're just asking for the bare minimum and um, that person is not ready for um, an emotionally available relationship. 
But as a securely attached person, you can recognize that and just say, oh, it's not going to work. Or you can be in a space where you can say, okay, I, I think this person just needs some time. I think they do want to work through it, but they need uh, they need some space to like figure that out. And you can um, securely give them that space and trust that whatever's meant to be will be. Um, for me, I really f- failed at this. Like, I had multiple relationships where that person was kind of exhibiting this avoidance and just not that person but the the people in the relationship so it's multiple people but in the relationship those people were uh like i said being avoidant and not wanting to communicate how they felt and and kind of not being vulnerable or pulling away from the relationship emotionally but still very much in the relationship and that can be really confusing for a person who doesn't understand what's happening like if you don't understand avoidance like you can feel like no but this person is here every day and this person's like doing things for me and cares about me and telling me they love me and like so you can be in this place of just feeling like, no, I know that they love me, but they're also not like emotionally available right now. And, and that can be really hard. Like it can be really hard to, to figure out. And you also want to help, right? Like you're, you're like, okay, I can see that this is a struggle for you. And I understand because you've communicated that it's a struggle, but a securely attached person is going to recognize that their needs aren't being met they cannot stay in a relationship where their needs aren't being met because that's essentially that's going to cause um, like disharmony and imbalance within them. And like you cannot be in a relationship that's going to cause that for you. If you're not actively working on making it better, like of course relationships go, go through up and downs or friendships go through up and downs. But um, if, you know, that other person is just kind of, in this stagnation and not actually addressing the issue then now you have to get really real with yourself uh for me i couldn't get real with myself in that moment like i was always trying to help trying to help trying to help trying to help and i i just i made the situation worse you know and then i created a situation where now they were having to help me and then it, you know, like, and then it's just this like bad situation. So, um, securely attached people will recognize that and be aware of that and just peacefully say like, okay, you know, I, I know that this isn't about me. I know that you're, um, not being able to, to meet me halfway or, or not being able to take this step forward is not about me and it's about you and you need some more time and uh, maybe we'll come back together at some other point. So securely attached people really have that 
un- unlock and understand it and don't take it personally. And they can also own up in that situation. Like they can also take a little bit of responsibility and say like, hey, I can recognize that like this relationship is just putting too much pressure on you and I don't want to do that. So, you know, I, I, I apologize for, for, for making you feel like feel all that pressure. Um, but I am also being honest about uh, how I'm feeling and how this relationship is making me feel and they can communicate around that and um and and talk about it but also you know when someone is like pulling back where they need space a secure person can say oh like this person just needs space like it doesn't have to be this extreme situation of like the relationship might not work it can be a situation where um, you're talking to them about their family and their relationship with their family and something about that relationship really um, is is creating an issue with you guys and you're just like hey like you need to talk to your family about this like it's not okay that you're crying every day or you know that you're feeling this way and not expressing yourself to them like you need to have that conversation or you know, what, whatever advice you're, you're giving, um, or you need to go talk to a therapist or, or whatever, or you can talk to me or, you know, but whatever advice you're giving in that moment, you can now take a step back and be like, Hey, I realized that like me trying to help you move forward was just putting too much pressure on you. And you need a little bit more time to like think and, and feel through your feelings than I do. And I'm cool, like, just kind of backing off right now and giving you that space, you know, and securely attached people can do that. And they can also do that in a way where they recognize their own boundaries, though. So let's say, for example, you have an argument with, uh, let's talk about like a partner, you have an argument with your partner, or, or it could be a friend, but you have an argument and that person says, oh, I need some time to think about it. And you're like, okay, sounds good. But it's been a week and they haven't said anything about it. And to you, you're like, man, like I would have needed like that night. And then I'd be speaking to the person the next day. Like, I'm not going to make them go through an entire week and have to interact with them every day. And like, that's obviously on the person's mind, you know, like, so a securely attached person would be able to say like, okay, if you need your space, you need your space. How much time do you think you need? Because now you're creating a situation of like, okay, this person needs this time, but I'm also still stating my needs and boundaries that like, I can give you time if you need time, but there has to be like a realistic deadline of when you're going to come back. Because you, for, for me in this relationship, my needs are that I, I need you to come back and communicate how you feel. So I can feel safe. Yeah. So just to go back over it, three main things of securely attached people. They are fully comfortable being open and expressing their needs and wants in uh, relationships or friendships, any kind of connection. They accept uh, rejection in a healthy way and can take accountability and and apologize when necessary and 
they also set firm boundaries. You know, a securely attached person can talk about the fact that you did something that has made them feel disrespected. And they can sit with you and they can say, hey, this happened. I'm not sure why it's happened. Like, I'll give you space to communicate why it happened or help me understand. But just so you know, I'm not comfortable with that kind of um, relationship dynamic moving forward. You know, whatever that thing may be, whether the person lied to you about something small or they cheated or they... um, said something behind your back or so or whatever like whatever that thing is a securely attached person understands how important it is to to say how that made them feel and to set that boundary and securely attached people also don't overstep other people's boundaries You know, they can hear that like, okay, this is your boundary. I need to kind of pull it back a little bit. Or they can, they have like a greater awareness of what people's boundaries are. So, you know, you don't wait until it's too late to communicate a boundary. Oftentimes, uh, what insecurely attached people do is they have all these feelings, they stuff them down because uh, they're worried about setting boundaries because in the past, like usually in their childhood or maybe in like a major relationship in their life or something, they set a boundary and then that person reacted with like anger. And now they're too scared to set that boundary again because they're scared that you're going to be angry or you're not going to love them anymore, or you're going to guilt them or shame them. Like I've had in my life, someone not set a boundary with me because they thought I was going to be angry, even though none of my actions were angry. So they'll even say, oh yeah, I did set that that boundary and that person got angry at me or, or Haley got angry at me. And it's like, how did I get angry? Like, Literally, like, explain the ways that I got angry. You, you did. I, I could tell by the tone of your text. You know, like, once again, be very careful about how you do things like that. Be very uh, consciously aware of what you're projecting into situations. Like, you, like, that person, usually, who can't set a boundary, has already decided the other person's going to be mad when they set that boundary. So... Any reaction, like if someone were to say, oh, Haley, um, please don't do this. It doesn't make me feel good. And then you, you're like, okay, like really? Because I've been doing this for like a year and I'm just trying to figure out like, is this actually making you feel bad? Because, you know, a month ago you told me something else. So are you being serious right now? Or you could just be trying to like have the conversation about like hey really like let me know I don't want a breaky boundary and then that person now takes you saying really as like really oh my gosh are you really setting that boundary with me like and it's like no I wasn't doing that but they've projected that into the situation or they're waiting for that almost 
You know, they're like, I know you're going to get angry if I set a boundary because for me, setting boundaries have never worked because my mom or my dad always got angry with me when I set boundaries. So like if you're making claims, like if you're saying, oh, this person did this, if you're saying, oh, this person was demanding of my time or this person um, got angry at me, like make sure you have facts to back that up for yourself. And I'm not, I'm not talking about facts to back it up to other people or, or, or even to the person you're in a disagreement with. Like, have facts for yourself and be like, did this person actually get angry with me? Does this person actually not care? Why do I think they don't care? Because oftentimes, the, you know, that little voice in your head is, is leading you down that path. And you don't realize it. So another thing that can happen is, you know, you feel that a person doesn't love you because uh, your self-worth is really low and you just feel like it's impossible that someone would actually love me and care about me. So now if that person, you're constantly waiting for that thing. To, to prove to you that the person doesn't love you. So you're constantly, constantly waiting, constantly, constantly waiting. And then you find out your partner lied to you about something. And now you've made it into, ha, I knew, I knew this person doesn't love me. I, I can't stress enough that you, ca- you cannot do that to yourself. It's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for your relationships. And like most of all, of the time, you are going to be wrong. Like, obviously, if you're in a situation where you're, like, not feeling good, and you've expressed yourself, and you've, like, really sat down and spoken with the person calmly about things. You haven't just said something in a fight or said something in passing and not really, like, sat and said, hey, this is how I feel. This is actually making me feel this way, and I would really appreciate it if we could not, like, not do this anymore or whatever. If you haven't had that conversation and really shown the other person that, um, uh, what they're doing is is hurting you. You have to be really careful about what you now project into situations and what you now think is going to happen. And and um, yeah, you just have to be really careful. So, setting boundaries for securely attached people is very easy. They're not worried about the fact that setting a boundary is going to, uh, you know cause some disharmony in the relationship or whatever because they understand that like if I'm setting a boundary like a clear boundary you know because some people especially avoidant people think that they're setting boundaries but they aren't actually being clear you know I've had a friend tell me oh I asked you to hang out all the time just me and you and uh, you always brought your girlfriend with you and I'm like when When did you say, Haley, I just want us to hang out. Can you not bring your girlfriend? And they don't have an answer. They're like, oh, lots of times. I'm like, name one time. 
And that, that is the biggest thing with um, avoidant people that, or like people who are not able to set boundaries, because it could be like, they could be fearful of avoidant too and stuff, but people who aren't able to set boundaries, that is like a very clear indicator that if you don't actually have something to back it up, if you're just making these kind of bold claims and you don't have, and, and honestly, even asking for one time is not enough. Like you should have a repeat in history of someone being angry with you, being upset at you, guilting you, being sad. Like you should have repeated events because people are human. Like, yes, maybe you asked me to hang out one time, just us. And for, for some reason I did, like, I can't imagine that I would ever do that. Right. Like that would be such a weird thing to do for your friend to say, Hey, can just me and you hang out and like make that clear. And then for me to just absolutely ignore it and like bring someone else, I, I would never do that. And I know I wouldn't. So now you have to, like, if you're the friend, like not me, if you're the other person, you have to now like take responsibility and be like, I didn't actually clearly communicate this. I may have said, hey, do you want to go do this? And I took that as you, plural, me and my partner. Because we always do things together. And for me personally in relationships, I don't feel this need to do things without my partner. Like I, like some people have that, um, like they, they want to have their own separate time away from their partner and stuff. It's not that I don't want that or I always want to be with my partner. No, but like I also have a deep need for my partner to be my like best friend. You know, and I, I like that relationship. I like that dynamic of like, we can hang out and we can hang out with all our friends. And it's not just about us the whole time when we're there or we're not just constantly like with each other. Like we can still engage and do things and, and have a good time and have that friendship. Like for me, that's something I want in love. So hanging out with my, like, and, and I can totally get that someone else may be like, I just want to hang out with you because there's, you know, uh, I feel like there's a different dynamic when it's just with you and we can we can talk about certain things that I can't necessarily talk to you about in front of your partner. So, um, or not that you can't talk about, but you don't feel comfortable talking about. And, and you can express that to someone and be like, okay, you know, and uh, I'm just going down this road because I want to help people who are in this situation where you're, you think that you're setting boundaries, but because you are not, you really aren't good at setting boundaries and you have to take responsibility for that. You have to take responsibility for the fact that you're not good at clearly communicating how you feel so that the other person fully understands, you know, and you have to see like repeated, repeated, repeated events of, yeah, this person was angry at me. Like, how were they angry at you? They they shouted at me, whatever. They did this thing. The next time, what did they do? They shouted at me, they did this thing. The next time, they shouted at me, they did this thing. For you to now recognize, like, a, an actual pattern. Because this is where the kind of discernment comes in. Because everybody's going to react. Like, everybody's going to have certain reactions. And most people, like, when a boundary is set, especially if it wasn't before, like most people are going to be like, oh, like, this, like several emotions are going to be flowing within them now, you know, of like, have I been breaking your boundary and you didn't tell me? Like now I feel bad. 
you know and like that's that's just like a normal human reaction but you have to allow that person to just express that like like once obviously if every time you set up a boundary the person's just like making you feel guilty over and over and over again yes now that's different but for someone to just have a conversation to be like hey can can we talk about this because I didn't know I was breaking your boundary like I didn't know this was such a big issue for you and had I known like I wouldn't do that because I care about you you know or, or something like that so um yeah the reason I'm sticking on it is because most people I think are trapped in this cycle because they think that they're expressing their needs or expressing their boundaries or they think that the other person's going to respond this way because of what's happened in the past and you um you have to get much more discerning about um what's actually happening you know and versus what you've told yourself in your mind is going to happen and now projected that into the situation so i think i've <laughs> said it enough times to be clear um okay so we're kind of at the end of like securely attached so obviously in that in that situation a securely attached person would freely um set their boundaries and be really firm about them and communicate around them and have a dialogue around them but also um hear out someone else's boundaries and fully understand their boundaries and um try to not cross their boundaries and of course like i've crossed people's boundaries you know um for whatever reason uh and and honestly like most people will like most people will at some point cross someone's boundary i've had many people cross my boundaries many times you know but you just communicate and you're like hey like this is this is what's happening and I know you're not meaning to do this but like you're you're doing this and it's making me feel this way you know um and then eventually you decide what's good for you like you decide how much compassion you want to have in that space for me i my compassion is large like or i think it's large at least um that i i will uh understand if the person's actually willing to like take responsibility for sure like i will be like okay um and i'm i have no issues saying sorry like i have no issues being like yeah i'm i'm really sorry that i made you feel that way because you're right i i shouldn't have done that or i didn't realize it was it was so hurtful to you or i didn't realize it was breaking your boundary and you know because that can be a really like tough feeling as well and um i've had that a lot i've had, had that a lot where i've had many relationships with the, with avoidant people and they do not set boundaries and then they come out with this like harsh boundary or this like um all these feelings of like you've done all this to them and you're like what what how i never asked that of you like i've had a friend tell me like i was demanding of their time when i was going through a breakup and i i reached out to my brother i reached out to my um to my other friends and i was like was i too much like you like let me know like was it too much did i make you feel like i was demanding of your time or whatever and they were like absolutely not Haley. and it made me like want to cry like for real because i was like oh my gosh like 
I just felt like I was going through this horrible time. And then that person made me feel like I was just a burden. You know, like me expressing myself was a burden. And, you know, to have that in a friendship is like a really horrible feeling because you're like, whoa, like I already feel like shit because of what I'm going through. And then for you to now tell me me expressing that to you is making you feel like shit. Like it's not about you. Like I'm going through a, a terrible time and I'm just trying to reach out to a friend, you know? And if you, and it's totally okay if you um can't deal with that or you're not comfortable like, like being for some, being there for somebody in that way. But like, you have to communicate that. You can't just wait till the end and say, oh, you made me feel all these horrible things when it's like, but you didn't tell me I was doing anything wrong. Or like, you didn't tell me I was creating any um, like turmoil within you by doing this. And now you've told me like, I've done all of this. Like, you know, that can, that like so much guilt comes along with that. Cause you're like, oh my God, like I didn't mean to do that. Um, but that's where, you know, you have to get to a point where you're like, you 150% can have expectations for a relationship or a friendship. It's, that that's the point, right? And I've spoken um, intensely about this with uh, my counselor because, you know, I was really confused for a while. I was like, oh, you know, I do want to respect someone else's feelings, but like, it's okay for me to have expectations in a, in a friendship or relationship. And she's like, yes, that's absolutely okay. And it made me feel so much better to hear that because you know, now you can think to yourself like, oh, I've done all of this. And it's like, no, like that person hasn't set their boundary. And instead of taking responsibility for that, they're now like saying all these other things. So get to a point of really questioning things, you know, just because someone else expresses how they feel around something doesn't mean you just have to be like, okay, how you feel is great. And I respect how you feel and this and that. Like, no, like, yes, how you feel is how you feel. That's valid. But no, I don't agree with you. I actually 100% disagree with you about all of these things. But, you know, we'll just call it what it is. So I say that for other, um, other people who've gone through it. Because even the other day, and I don't think, you know, I, I was watching Taylor Swift on a tiny desk or something like it was just a small performance that she did and I was watching it and uh, she was talking about something and she was just talking about like in passing she was like yeah you know when your friend uh, goes through a breakup and they have to call you every day all day and talk to you about it like they just need to do that and I don't think she was trying to validate anyone in that moment but like I felt so validated in that moment because I'm like oh here's this other like random person on the universe or uh, on the planet, sorry, who like gets that and is and is cool with that and doesn't feel like it's like a burden or something, you know, or like, yeah, and, and I don't know, yeah. In in that situation, it just was such a small thing, and I didn't, I wasn't, it wasn't like an interview where I was expecting her to say something, and then I just heard that part, and I was like, oh, thanks, like, yeah. I do think that, like, I do think that, I do think that, like, sometimes people go through shit and they just need to say it over and over again because it's so hard, you know, and it doesn't mean anything and it's not, 
you know, it's not something more. They're just going through a hard time. So for all the like anxious people who watch this, like, like you expressing yourself is okay. And the right people in your life will not feel like the things you have to say are a burden. So I just want to validate that for a second. So I know I'm getting up into time. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, securing your attachment styles really quickly. So for fearful avoidant, it's going to be in between both anxious and avoidant. Like you'll have to pull things from it, but we'll just jump into it really quickly. Uh, Securing your anxious attachment it's a very big indicator that you have an anxious attachment to something. If that, if when that thing disappoints you, your immediate response is like, they don't care about me. Like it's immediately triggered that abandonment, rejection, um, guilt wound, you know, like, that that to me is like very clearly indicating that you need to go back into uh, emotional maturity and childhood wounds and, and all of those things and, and focus around that area of like, um, as I said, abandonment, rejection, guilt, kind of uh, in that space. And, and you figure it out for yourself, but I'm just trying to uh, give some some guidance to some degree but that's why I did these episodes in a chronological order because securing your attachment is going to go back to your childhood wounds securing your attachment on a surface level of just saying oh I'm too clingy I need to like not be clingy that's going to create a a conscious change but what's going to be happening under the surface is you're just going to be pushing down those same feelings until eventually they uh, bubble up and explode So you won't actually be creating permanent change. So for anxiously attached people, go back to um, like abandonment wounds, uh, rejection wounds, uh, guilt wounds, or maybe even trust wounds or something and um, sit in that and, and look at the symptoms of those wounds and really start seeing if you resonate with them and start asking yourself why. I know that this is a really simple thing, but just say why. Why do I feel this way? When this thing thing happens, that means that person doesn't care about me. Why? Because if they cared about me, they would do this. Why? Because doing this means um, you love someone. Why? Because when I was a kid, this blah, blah, blah. So you just have to keep asking yourself why until you fully get back. You'll just realize maybe like by the sixth or seventh time that you've pinpointed what started it so keep going back in that way now let's talk about securing an avoidant attachment so avoidant attachment oftentimes is rooted in a deep self-worth issue like you are not good enough like the thought of someone actually loving you is you don't believe that they're like why would they ever love me and that's usually because your abandonment wound is rooted in sorry not your abandonment wound your inner childhood wound is rooted in um maybe some abandonment as well but also um trust and neglect you know like deep deep neglect 
you were not heard. You often expressed yourself and that was just neglected or shamed. You know, so that's what you really have to dive into and you really have to start working on your self-worth. You know, and working on your self-worth can be a little bit a little bit difficult, but it starts with having compassion for yourself, forgiveness for yourself, forgiveness for others and compassion for others. And um, even though that's like a very general thing, that is really going to up your self-worth because you're now going to realize, oh, I forgive my mom and my dad for doing those things because I understand that they were emotionally immature and they were taught that from their parents. And so you understand that dynamic or, or you understand that progression and that they were just passing things on to you from their own hurt. And you can now separate the fact that what they did to you or your dynamic with them had nothing to do with you. So now you can start rebuilding that self-worth. And really talking to that inner critic. Because people with self-worth issues really have like a strong inner critic of like, you're you're not good enough. Don't try it anyway. You're going to fail. Like, and, and maybe you had a parent who was very critical and not in a constructive way. Like I've spoken about the fact that like my dad is extremely critical. But um, it's not always just it's not like just criticism you know most times it's actually constructive with him it's just like the way he does it is like too aggressive sometimes you know but for the most part like I was still thankful for that criticism because it helps me grow um some people had criticism in their life that was not helpful at all so now their inner critic is just terrible like no one loves me. No one cares about me. I'm always disappointed. Everyone's always taking from me. Like you, you have all those thoughts constantly running through your head. Like before you do anything, you're always thinking you're going to fail before you do it. So, um, definitely sit with that and, uh, start recognizing the fact that you need to change that voice. And, I'm going to talk about Taylor Swift again. Um, for anyone who knows me, like they know how much I love Taylor Swift, but it's just a coincidence. I think that I'm talking about her so much in this, in this uh, episode, because uh, I didn't plan to, but um, in her documentary, she was talking about how she really had an issue with eating and she didn't think she had an issue with eating. Like she like normalized it in her own mind, even though she had like a, an issue with eating. And when she kind of uh, recognized that and and acknowledged that, she got to a point now where she was like, yeah, um, seeing myself in a certain picture would make me go into this like downward shame spiral. But now I'm just like, no, nope, we don't do that anymore. No, nope, we didn't feel good when we were in that place. No, nope, we blah, blah, blah. And she kind of talks to herself as if like there's two people um, in her body or in her mind. And I think that that's actually a really helpful strategy. Like some people might think, oh, that's crazy. But I don't think that it's crazy. I think that you're actually like speaking to that inner child. And you're like, no, um, we're okay now. And we already, we recognize that this isn't a good process. And we recognize that we, um, we are worthy and we can do this. And then you just keep going, you know? But that was just like a very general thing, but... Like, if you have this in your head, like, oh, this person did this because they don't love me, you know, because no one loves me. 
now you're gone down into this like no one ever loved me and no one ever will like you're like no like i am worthy of love i'm a i'm a good person i've you know i've worked on myself i'm 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 getting to a better place like i deserve love just because of things that happened to me as a child and things that molded me as a child you know made me think this way does not mean that those things are true because i know that i'm worthy of love and you really have to like work on that and that comes in different shapes and forms you know for some people that's like directly attached with um their body and their fitness or their uh studies and their like uh intelligence or you know different people have it in in different ways or multiple ways but you have to get uh comfortable with recognizing what it is about you that makes you feel that way you know and deciding oh, you know, when, I, when I'm when i active, when I do things, like I feel much better about myself. And that's kind of like a, a general one for most people. If your body is fit, like your mind will also follow. You'll realize that your intrusive thoughts are less when you're focusing on like your, your overall health because your mind has now kind of understood that you are taking care of yourself. Like you mean something, you know? you you care about yourself and just having that like physical care for yourself will create that kind of mental care for yourself and it's not going to just heal it you know it's not like oh you're just going to start working out now and you'll have no mental health um issues or intrusive thoughts like no that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying that you will be in a better place to start uh dealing with that and it won't be so overwhelming yeah so we spoke about anxious we spoke about avoidant and you know you just kind of have to keep going down that path, go back to your childhood wounds, identify them, identify if you're avoidant, um, what kind of neglect you probably went through, you know, and thinking about, you know, what kind of abandonment did you feel or, or, or whatnot. But, um, as I said, like for like dismissive avoidant people, it's usually rooted in, uh, in, neglect or like your trust being broken or something like that um but you know just look up like inner childhood wounds online and just think to yourself okay these are some common symptoms which ones do I relate with get your journal out and be like why you know and just keep asking yourself why until you get to something that you're like Oh, I didn't even know that that was there, you know? Like, for me, when people don't take accountability for things, it really triggers me. Why? Because when I was a kid, my parents didn't take accountability for the way that they made me feel. You know, and that took me a couple steps more than just the one. Like, I had to keep going back until I got to that. But eventually, I got to that. So... You will, you will get to that. Just keep asking yourself. I know that this has gone like way over time. This is an extra long episode. I did miss a couple of weeks because I had, uh, I had some other things going on in my life, but, um, I hope you guys like this episode. Uh, like I said, for fearful avoidant, you're going to be like somewhere in between that. You're probably going to have to look at like kind of all the main childhood wounds because that, that, that fearful, dis- um, fearful avoidant is disorganized in that way. You have many different areas. Um, that are triggering you so yeah anyways thank you guys for watching this episode as I said I know it's super long but uh 
I will see you for the next episode. I'm going to try to get back on schedule and do two episodes a week. So I'm going to try for next week, Thursday. And then um, if not for sure, the next episode will be uh, next week, Sunday. So thank you for listening. If you made it all the way to the 50 minutes of this video, then give it a like, subscribe, do all the things. It really helps me. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye, guys.